Eagle looking great. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. Sci-Fi Wise Guys is a podcast where we watch and review straight-to-stream science fiction and science fiction-adjacent movies, television shows, visual entertainment media, fan films, YouTube shorts, distribute originals, and the occasional, um, you know, whatever. The occasional whatever. My name is Chris. And my name is Anthony. How you doing, buddy? You know... I've been better, but I've been way worse. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, uh, I think we we just had to delete about 15 minutes of, <laughs> of footage because of my internet. And not even my internet, because I'm still on my internet. But whatever adapter I was using to set up in a different office, as my current office has been painted and all of everything is still torn down. And yeah. So we've been actually trying to start this episode for, you know, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say... Um... For the listeners at home, this I think th- this will be the first podcast in a year when we're not looking at each other and at when we're recording. Yeah, more I think than the, that. Yeah, I think the last time it didn't happen was when I was in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm sure that we didn't look at each other at some point while I was in some hotel. Maybe the fact that I had I could do all of this on hotel Wi-Fi, <laughs> but the Wi-Fi I pay ninety dollars a month for is like no, no. I mean, it might just be your equipment, like not like your Wi-Fi equipment, but you yeah, said that you were using a Wi-Fi adapter. I'm pretty sure it's that adapter, but I pulled it right off. So this is Kat's office. I pulled it right off of her personal machine and plugged it into mine. I mean, and then went to another room to download the drivers, put them on a hard drive. <laughs> like that was a whole thing. Yeah. It was a whole thing. It took me 30 to 45 minutes to get completely set up. And now I've completely torn it down and moved to the laptop. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it's good. You should submit a ticket to your IT department. Uh, you know, have you tried forcing maybe? an unexpected reboot? I did actually. <laughs> I before we did this, I thought, okay, just to make sure my internet's good, I'll go ahead and reboot the modem now because occasionally I have problems. And hmm. uh, no, didn't hurt. Didn't uh, sorry, did hurt. Didn't help. Yeah, <laughs> contributed nothing and took away nothing. Well, yeah. uh, speaking of taking uh, yeah. away nothing. What did we watch, Anthony? Uh, we watch Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episodes 5, 6, and 7. Mm. Continuing our coverage of the latest season of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, we've already reviewed the first episode of the season, uh, all on its own. Uh, mm-hmm. Episode 1, Grounded. Uh, and then we covered Episodes 2, 3, and 4, The Least Dangerous Game, Mining the Mind's Minds, and Room for Growth. Respectively, so yeah. respectively, yes. Well, they all got kind of lumped together. So we're back with more Star Trek, uh, which is fun. We've been doing a lot of Star Trek because we're also in the middle of Spooktober. Spocktober. Spock. We're also in, which is fun. We've been doing a lot of Star Trek because we're currently in the middle of Spocktober. <laughs> Spocktober. Yes. Yes. I say, you know, uh, we've we have spent long enough uh, trying to start this episode. Uh, whether or not all of that makes it into the podcast or not, I don't care. Let's just get it started. Okay. Uh, I have a small disclaimer, if I Uh-oh. may. I'm dog-sitting my dad's dogs, and he has three very small, yappy animals. So no. if there is a no. bark or a growl or some kind of noise, uh, I just want the listeners to know that um, deal with it. So mm. that's pretty much that's what I got. Fun. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's kick things off with Season 3, Episode 5, Reflections. Mm. Mariner and Boimler work the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair. Rutherford challenges himself. On IMDb, this episode is sitting at 8.2 out of 10. 
with a median score of nine. Uh, 29.5% of the votes being an eight, 28.0 a nine, 24.1 a 10, 11.6 a seven, and then everything else is below 3%. Pretty universally liked episode, it looks like. Uh, at least, you know, by the public. Yeah. But we're not the public. Well, we kind of we're kind of the public. I don't know. Transitions are hard. I, I am Chris. John Q public. <laughs> there you go. Chris, what did you think of this episode? I enjoyed a lot about this episode. I think this is one of those very rare instances of television, or I don't want to necessarily say television, but like the television format, or I guess the the series format, where you have a clearly defined set of rules for your story okay you already talked about it in the blurb mariner and boimler have to go to the starch fleet recruitment booth at a job fair which is probably one of the funniest concepts i think i've ever seen in a star trek episode it's like a job fair with booths in the future <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they set up their awning they they went yeah. down to academy and they printed it off and yeah yeah so that's fun. I guess I, I don't know which one's the, is this the B story or is it the A story? I can't really tell. But the, the other important part of this episode is we actually kind of peel the curtain back on Rutherford. We've known since the beginning of the show that he's a cyborg, but we don't know why he's a cyborg. Like, what do you have to do to become a cyborg and, you know, Starfleet in the future or whatever? And that this episode kind of explores that. I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I think 8.2, I don't want to necessarily say that's a low score. I'm surprised it's an 8.2 because I feel like a lot of things got done in this episode. Like, mm. we, we explore several psyches Boimler and Mariners at the exact same time, and then Rutherford gets his own Rutherford gets his own centric story, which is cool because I think the last time that I can recall that he had so much time to himself is when he's trying to find a job on the Cerritos, like when he goes mm. to all the different departments or whatever. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this episode. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, just to, to add on to your last point there, I mean, the previous episode, episode four, he was absent, room for growth. Yeah, I mean, he was there, but it was very much in the background to everything else. So we immediately flip right into a Rutherford-centric episode. Uh, I really liked this episode. I agree with the 8.2. I think it's a solid episode. Something that I thought was interesting, something that happened to me that was interesting, is I listened to another podcast, okay. The Greatest Trek, prior to uh, watching this. I guess some, some time ago, in between Star Trek episodes, when, when there's nothing new aired, they will do interviews. And they interviewed Mike McMahon, the creator of Star Trek Lower Decks. And they were talking about the process of creating characters and whatnot. And it's, it's a pretty good interview. Definitely check it out. But one of the things he said about the early script was that Rutherford was much more of a womanizer in that first mm -hmm. episode. If you recall, there's this, he's on a date during a, a zombie uprising on the ship. And he said originally, in the original script, Rutherford was going to not go on a second date because of something real, I guess, vain. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it is, but like she kissed funny or something like that. Mike McMahon rewrote it because he hated that character. He was like, I don't like this person. How do we rework this? And then, as we all know, it changed to uh, Rutherford decided not to go on a second date because she didn't enjoy science in the same way. Like why well, would like the door not working correctly or yeah. what have you during a lockdown? Not so much science as she didn't enjoy sure 
like Mike McMahon called it science. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll with it on that interview. That's fair. That's fair. So that happened. So I he listened to that yeah. a month ago. And then I watched this episode, and the past version of Rutherford is like an exaggerated <laughs> version of that Rutherford that Mike McMahon didn't like, which I think gives us a little peek into how this episode was made, like the thought process behind it. I thought that was just really interesting. It's a good interview overall, but seeing hearing him say that and then seeing this episode some weeks later, uh, it was uh, it was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, I always enjoy learning yep. about the creative process especially in something like Star Trek that has so many layers to it and way more oversight than I think most of the things we review or, or discuss. I will also say that I also did not like past Rutherford <laughs> to the point where I was like, if this guy sticks around, I'm going to be real upset. Like I, I didn't realize how much I liked Rutherford until he was in his own head fighting against a former version of himself that had been because of this cyborg shenanigans and the former version of himself is a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not it was, cool. It, it, yeah. It's kind of like, not necessarily like mirror verse, but like definitely that idea that like... Very close. Like, mm-hmm. well, I guess what I'm saying is like, make a Bioshock reference here. Like we may all make our choices, but in the end, our choices make us. The, the Samantha and Rutherford we have today is definitely different than the one that we see in the episode. And so like not so much a mirror verse, but we're not looking at something that's different. We're looking at Rutherford, right? Mm-hmm. We are looking at who Rutherford is and who he was. Like there's still the same person. He's just his experiences and his, uh, the things that have happened to him make him who he is now. And I thought that was really neat because buried underneath this alternate personality is a dick. You said you wouldn't necessarily have enjoyed him hanging around if he had stuck around, but I think it might have like been kind of fun. I mean, I don't think it would have worked on lower decks, but when you have like 20 episodes in a season, oh sure, you have the creative sure. capacity to give this past Rutherford more than 10 minutes of screen time. Like, just imagine if, like, um, like that episode where Lore pretends to be Data, right? Like, that spans two episodes instead of just one. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally down with the way the episode went. I don't have any suggestions how it could have been different, but I would not have necessarily hated it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. I mean, I guess I say I would have hated it, but that's a tribute to the writers and the creators uh, mm-hmm. creating the show, right? Because if they kept the character around for some reason, I'm sure I would not have actually hated it, right? It would have been done in such a way to where I would have been like, okay, cool, I'm eager to see what's next. Uh, So the fact that I hated him and then he went (laughs) away uh, is really just a tribute to how good the episode is. Sure. To have more into the plot, I don't know if you call it a plot, um, the feelings behind everything with Rutherford. He's stuck in his own head because he takes an electric shock or something to the head. His implant has been malfunctioning for several episodes. Mm-hmm. For a while now, he's been experiencing some trouble. And then just eventually comes to the point where it, it shorts completely out. And then past Rutherford takes over. <laughs> yeah. So Pre-implant. We yeah. learn a little bit more about the implant process. Uh, it was not done voluntarily, but he was in mm-hmm. some sort of accident. And... It turns out that only one Rutherford can live uh, because this is television and that is a common conceit. This is this is a storytelling device. So they decide that they're going to have a race. They're going to race whatever race, uh, like to Saturn and back or something. And whoever wins gets to live and whoever loses has to you know stop cease existing. Mm-hmm. And Rutherford wins through the power of uh, Voyager callbacks. And friendship, which is very lower decks. 
I mean, he does. He wins through the power of friendship. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, but it does expand on the mystery of why does he have the implant? What doesn't he know about himself? Why can't he remember? Who? What mm-hmm. Starfleet Admiral uh, was in charge of putting it in, in him, right? In part in charge of whatever project made him a cyborg. Uh, so I fully expect us to not learn anything more for the rest of the season. I don't know about you, but I expect it to not pick up till season four. I got my money on not Jellico, but the guy who was um, the Admiral of the Phoenix. Mm. You remember, you like think the it's one an with existing Ra- character. Yeah, like the one with Riker um, and the 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 phase cloak or whatever. Like I know he got quote unquote yeah. court martialed, but like that that's what my money's on. My money's on it being Section Thirty One. Sure. Okay. Because they're doing the Section Thirty One show, and I, I'm expecting more tie-ins to start happening with that. But who knows? It could be. I'm also. It could also be a, like a grounded episode where it all gets resolved in the background. And we're like, oh, okay, and we move on. Who knows? <laughs> it's not important, fellas. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you feel uh, before we move on to, st- to talk about episode six? How do you feel about this episode compared to the previous episodes in the season? It is the highest rated up to this point. Yeah, I. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I think the least dangerous game is really fun. The problem is, is like the epi- like the episodes that we get before this, and this is something that all Lower Decks seasons, I think, have had, or at least I can say that that's how I feel. All the episodes are different to an extent, but they're all kind of similar. This one deals with some serious subject matter, and, and at least for Rutherford. I mean, like the fact that we aren't really talking about Mariner or Boimler's story kind of tells you everything right. you need to know about that. But I think that a lot of it is just kind of like it's serious subject matter. Like your identity is so important to you. Like you're id, right? Like you need mm-hmm. to know who you are. And so him going through, I guess, a, essentially an existential crisis. I think that resonates with a lot of people. And it's probably why it's rated so high. Absolutely. And they couldn't have picked a better character to do it to. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the most one dimensional character out of our main cast. Mm-hmm. He's there. He likes his job. He smiles and he, he moves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving him that extra depth, but also having him go through that crisis adds more to it. It's, it reminds me of, I mean, the episode we just released a few days ago for Spocktober. Spocktober. Whispers, in which they you know start the trend of abusing Miles O'Brien uh, <laughs> because he's the best character. Like you couldn't have made done that story around. Well, you could have, but it would have not, I don't think turned out nearly as well if you had uh used a different character and i think that's the same applies to this episode reflections yeah uh, so i look forward to it maybe uh, he's our new miles right maybe he just gets <laughs> hit physically and, and mentally and emotionally abused from here on out i'd love it i'm down <laughs> i love rutherford and I, i'd love to see it fair enough all right moving on to episode six hear all trust nothing the cerritos crew unexpectedly spends a day on deep space nine this episode is rated an 8.8 with a median score of my internet not loading with a median score of 9. 43.7% of the votes a 10, 28.49, 16.8 and 8, everything else below 5%. Uh, so even more over, overwhelmingly positive as far as the public is concerned. I'm going to jump right in on this one. I am a huge Deep Space Nine fan. I think it's my favorite Star Trek. We've talked about this many, many times. This episode is fantastic. Uh, (laughs) 8.8 is too low. It's solid nine and a half. Maybe a a nine point, you know, three or four if you want to get nitpicky. The intro to this episode in which they show up at Deep Space Nine. (laughs) 
and they need to buy time. So they, she goes, I don't know, just lazily fly around the uh, fly yeah. around the station like you're admiring the pylons. And then they start playing the Deep Space Nine theme. Oh man, I laughed and I la- it's the most I've laughed up to this point in Lower Decks. Yeah, like, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, like the Deep Space Nine theme Circling. is not good. <laughs> Like the theme music's not good, and it's just like, well, yep, we're just gonna keep circling. We're just gonna keep looking at the space station. It's like, man, we need to, we need to, we need to trim this down. Like, like I think that the uh, the intros to all of '90s Trek are way too long. Like, as much as like I love the TNG music and like it's fun, especially rewatching it, it's like, please, I've seen it so many times. Like, why is this three minutes long? Make it 30, 45 seconds. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Uh, sure. So I loved the making fun of that. Uh, returning characters, uh, not a visitor playing Colonel Kira did a fantastic job. Armin Shimmerman uh, playing Quark, uh, which he did confirm he had to put the teeth in to do the Quark voice. <laughs> it's just it's just really really fun episode. Uh. I loved everything on the Deep Space Nine uh, centric, like all the Quark centric plot i liked shacks and kira knowing each other because every bajoran warrior knows each other somehow and i love that they're trying to like get the other person to one up them so that they don't owe them anything yeah because they want to be even like that's that kind of machoism like really really fits both characters and honestly like kira is a character i really wasn't sure how they were going to have her character in a comedy without her being the straight man or being annoyed and they did it they did a fantastic (laughs) job Boimler just winning at the Dabo tables over and over and over again. Amazing. <laughs> Dabo. And then we uh, we get to learn a couple of things. So we learn that Mariner was on Deep Space Nine. She knows the characters. Uh, they they say hi. They acknowledge her like she's an old friend. So there's more going on there. Uh, they mention something about swapping old war stories. Uh, so she was there at some point in the Dominion War or some other Cardassian conflict. And then we get to learn a lot about Tendi. And the culture, or the not the culture, but maybe the yeah, the culture of the Orions, and maybe some of her embarrassment about it. Yeah, she turns into Billy Badass in the last, in the third act, uh, and steals a ship. She's like, I can be a pirate. I was raised to be a pirate, uh, and then uh, rolls with it. I thought it was really fun how the Orion that is with her, whose name I I don't know. I'm looking through here. Mesk, I think maybe that was him. Mesk, maybe he. Is kind of very much like uh, Worf. As, as we find out eventually, he was raised by humans on Earth. Mm-hmm. All of his, his Orion identity comes from like vids or books or stories that he's read. So, like, but the difference is, is Worf doesn't shrink like a violet, <laughs> you know, in the face <laughs> of adversity. As much as, as much as I think Worf's. Not a very, not very good at his job. He like this guy just like as soon as he's under any kind of stress, just folds like a uh, like a house of cards. So I thought that was really fun. I do agree with you. Certainly, definitely one of the better episodes. You talked about Deep Space Nine. I think that's the reason why this is rated so highly is because everyone had been waiting so long mm-hmm. for Deep Space Nine. They were like, yeah, Deep Space Nine, and then that's what we got. Um, not that I'm complaining. I mean, I enjoy Deep Space Nine. I'm not as familiar as it, familiar with it as I am with the other Star Trek shows. But it's a really good episode. You're gonna have to like. You're gonna have to tell me like, is him is Quark stealing that replicator technology? Is that like like is that a payoff <laughs> or something that happens in Deep Space Nine? Like, is that a thing? Uh, uh, a bit, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. um, 
Because I remember, I think, I think I remember an episode of him like stealing some technology. You know, because he's a Ferengi. The alien race had interactions with the Ferengi before, specifically Quark. It doesn't go into like him stealing the technology, but him having stolen the technology or stealing it, you know, off screen afterwards makes total sense. And it makes like all of it makes sense. Gotcha. It was pre. It was pretty early when they didn't quite know what the or what or who who the Dominion was. So they were trying to open up trade negotiations, mm. um, and okay. they interacted with them. Yeah. Okay. Also, Morn is in this episode, so it can't be rated below a nine. <laughs> Stupid Morn. <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic. I, I don't know. I I get, I get what you're saying that a lot of this episode probably is. Uh, it's probably rated too high because of Deep Space Nine and, you know, bringing back those characters. And that that's definitely something that Lower Decks, it's one of its pillars, right? Is we're mm-hmm. going all over the place. We're exploring Star Trek as a place, if you will, if I can steal the term. I do it all the time. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm doing it. Uh, I'm following your uh, your example. And they just do it really, really well in this episode. They go there. Shax is upset. He thinks it's an ugly station because it's, you know, Cardassian, whatever. And yeah. like, he probably knows people that were enslaved there and were, uh, and, and killed and or died in the mines or, or whatever. The mines, I guess, the or processor, I should say. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's this center of, you know, it's where the emissary comes from. And it's the, the mo- probably the most important way station in the quadrant, considering it connects them to a completely different quadrant with the wormhole and whatnot. Part of me is upset that Cisco didn't make an appearance, but part of me is also like, please don't bring him back on a Lower Decks episode. You know, it's got to be more important than that, if that makes sense. Like, don't bring him back for sure. a gag, you know? Like, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, please. I get that. You know? <laughs> uh, there's, there's lots of other characters we could do first. Let's let's go. Colonel Kier is still having the baseball on her desk. It's pretty nice. <laughs> it was pretty nice. Yeah, I thought that was uh, really fun. That was really I was like, good. hey, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, she never got rid of it. <laughs> I would have liked to see more characters, but considering we only get 20 minutes with everybody, I feel like Quark yeah. and Kira are two great choices uh, for uh, for this episode. I really don't, I don't have anything else to, to really, like I don't have anything to nitpick. I even liked the Jennifer and Mariner sub, sub, subplot. It was, oh she yeah. She ends up just phasering them all to save them. Like I yeah. enjoyed it quite a bit. Like her efforts to fit in are like her being the fish out of water is is different. It's a different take, and I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, what lower decks allows us to do, or when I say allows us, what lower decks allows the creators, Mike McMahon, to do is essentially like tell stories that we want to know. Like we want to hear what goes on behind closed doors. <laughs> Part of it is like really funny. What I'm gonna say is gonna sound really sexist, but like I I I know those parties, right? Like. I've talked to people who have been to those parties before, you know, where they, you make your own candle or, you know, <laughs> you, you, you do like a poetry reading and everyone kind of like vibes with you and stuff like that. That was yeah. cool. Um, what makes it great is the one person who definitely would not want to be there is the person that's there. And it's the same thing that I was talking about um, with the last episode with Rutherford is your identity is the most, or or how you present yourself, how you want other people to perceive you is one of the most important things in your life. She even talks about it. One of the people's like, yeah, Mariner, we thought you were some badass, but you're just kind of like this wimpy chump. And Jennifer says, like, yeah, I invited you here because I want you to take these people down a peg. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I mean, Tindy would have fit right in. Uh, Boimler would have fit right in. Rutherford would have fit right in. So the one person that wouldn't, we get to see them in that scenario. And yeah, you get that in regular Trek 
like next gen or whatever, like people getting stuck in data's poetry reading. <laughs> like I, I'm trying to think of another example, like uh, data learning how to dance, you know, learning comedy, mm-hmm. like you, you, the, the fish out of water or the, the layman working with an expert kind of thing. Seeing Mariner having to suffer for however long it was, I thought was really great. It's a really good episode. And I guess what I meant when I said that Deep Space Nine may have influenced the show, this particular episode's rating, I don't want to say any of the stuff is fan service because some of it is. Like sure. the story isn't fan service, but like getting to go to Quarks, that's fan service, right? Sure. Like sure. seeing the baseball on the desk, fan service. But like the story in and of itself is a Star Trek story. You know what I mean? Like this episode wouldn't be out of place in Deep Space Nine. It wouldn't be as funny. We wouldn't have the candle making, you know, but you can imagine Cisco and Kira and everyone else having to deal with Quark and the Ferengi stealing some other civilization's technology and then being like, cool, we're going to take you back to our planet and arrest you. Right, right. I actually disagree. I don't think any of it's fan service. Okay. I guess like the idea of, oh, we're going to, go to Deep Space Nine, maybe in a broad strokes, yeah, people want that. So it's kind of fan service. But when you have a Monster of the Week style show, they go to places you've seen before. Like you said, they're using these characters to the betterment of the plot. They're not just there. Like the the cutaway gag with the statue of Chief O'Brien, that's fan service, right? Yeah. Having a story with these characters in it and it being like you remember isn't really fan service because like if she didn't have the baseball there, would be like, oh, what happened to it? It was there at the end of the, you know, the, the end of the show. Oh, right. Morn wasn't at the bar. I wonder what happened to Morn. Like, no, these things, these kind of set you back into Deep Space Nine. The baseball, mourn, uh, Quark being a piece of crap. You know, they, these are these are just who these people <laughs> are on, and what the place on. is. Um, by by Starfleet human standards, he's kind of a greedy jerk. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, but but by uh, 21st century American standards, he is doing quite well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't agree with it being called fan service, but I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna get mad about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like, I, I guess the term fan service has like a certain negative connotation. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is like, when we go to Deep Space Nine, that's what we want to see, right? Like, we want yeah. to see stuff from Deep Space Nine. And had they not included it, people would have been really upset. Right. I guess when I said fan service, like, I guess more along the lines of like, fulfilling the requirements that they <laughs> need to fulfill. Yeah. All in all, great episode. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Okay. The final episode we're going to talk about today, Season 3, Episode 7, A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. A wayward Starfleet ensign struggles to find a path to redemption. This one is sitting at 6.9 out of 10. No? Okay. Uh, With a median score of 7. This is all over the place, man. 21.1 or 21.5 rated at a 7, 15.9 an 8, 15.7 a 10, you know, 8% a 9, 10% a 6. And everything else is around five, you know, five percent, nine percent of one. So mixed, I guess, would be how you would describe this. <laughs> I hated this episode, if I'm being completely honest. Oh, okay. Like, like maybe hate's a strong word. I, I didn't necessarily need Peanut Hamper's story to be resolved. Like as fun as it was, <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, this is like I, I don't even know how to explain how this episode like exists, right? Like watching the entire thing i was like what the 
hell is going on in this episode? The weird robot bird sex acts that were like that we didn't see, <laughs> thankfully. Um, yeah, I just I had no idea what was going on this entire episode. It was funny, like I laughed out loud heartily. Um, I just was like, you know, like I I, I think we talked about it before mm-hmm. when we watched Grounded. You were like, yeah, like we can't skip any episodes of Lower Decks because there's not that many. You can skip this one. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's it? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Allow me to retort. Sure. 10 out of 10. Uh, best episode <laughs> of the season. If you had to skip either the Deep Space Nine episode or this one, skip Deep Space Nine. Oh, I see. I haven't laughed this hard at anything in a very, very long time. They're flying. <laughs> the bird person's carrying peanut hamper, and I, I realize like I'm talking about these scenes, and you are as well. Like somebody who's not seen this episode has no idea what we just said. Uh, yeah. Peanut hamper is a character. It, it, it doesn't even matter. Them making bird noises instead of singing. I lost it. I had to. I had to pause and rewind because I was. Yeah. I lost it. Uh, the weird bird on robot or XCOM. <laughs> was it not XCOM? XOCOM. 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 That's right. Yeah. Uh, sex scene. So tastefully done. Uh, <laughs> I would vote for it for best sex scene in anything we've watched thus far, of which there's only been two sex scenes that I can recall, yeah. including it's this not one. A whole lot, yeah. So uh, I think it does beat Angels Fallen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert for uh, year, uh, what, Potiversary 3? Yeah. Um, rankings, uh, best sex scene, uh, exocomp and bird person. I'm adding that to the list of ideas for that. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> I, I, I expect us to forget that this was uh, yeah, if this yeah. ever happened. They didn't do the intro in this episode, so they had yeah. more time to spend with Peanut Hamper, who redeems herself and then doesn't redeem herself and then redeems herself and then bails and then gets <laughs> locked up right next to Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Which is, I mean, any episode that has Jeffrey Combs and it's obviously a 10 out of 10. You can't fight me on that. It doesn't matter if he has four lines or 40. Uh, to your point, this episode is 100% skippable if you're just watching Lower Decks and you're just wanting to get the plot for some reason because our main characters aren't in it until the very end. They have no growth. It means nothing. It's around this what guest character from season one <laughs> and what happens to her afterwards. Now, I say that yep. maybe in season four or five, you know, Jeffrey, Coom- <laughs> Jeffrey Combs and Peanut Hamper escape and uh, wreck havoc across the universe, and uh, that becomes a thing. So, you know, maybe it's not skippable. We'll see. I thought the episode was hilarious. I laughed and laughed and laughed, but it was also extremely absurd. I 100% expected this to be rated low just because I expected it to be so mixed, which it is. It is ridiculous. Yeah. It is probably the least Lower Decks episode of Lower Decks, Like, and I loved every moment of it. It, it just doesn't fit. You know what I mean? I guess that's my issue. Out of all the episodes that we've watched, this is the one where I was just like, this is unnecessary. Not that it's a bad episode. It just, like, you know, you could make an entire season of television and not do this, and we would be Mm -hmm. okay. That being said, it's hysterical. Like, it really is. Like, when he's like, I'm going to sing the songs of my people. (laughs) It is swelling up. I was like, is this going to be a a freaking musical all of a sudden? Yeah. And he's just like, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) No, it's great. It just, 
not really sure what it's doing in this, in this show. Just not it's, really sure what's it's happening. It's making you laugh. It's a comedy. Yeah. That's the thing. Sure. You said, hey, this this episode wasn't no good, or I didn't like this episode, and then you talk about how hard you laughed. It's a comedy. You laughed. Yeah. You laughed real hard. There you go. That's why it exists, because we yeah. laughed at it. Even if we're <laughs> laughing at it instead of with it, which we do a lot on this podcast, I, I think it I think it served its purpose. Sure. It really did. I want someone to watch this who has never seen any Lower Decks. I want to introduce them to Lower Decks with this episode just to see what happens. <laughs> is that robot having sex with that bird man? Oh, what yeah, girl. What is happening? Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I guess what i meant when i said like i like i didn't like the episode is it, it's more along the lines of the previous episodes that i watched were like so good grounded like when well not even grounded like no 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 not like grounded the episode but like they're more grounded yeah, yeah no I, I knew exactly what you meant okay. like they're just good television I can make anyone watch those episodes and they could be like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm invested, right? I'm invested. I've, I've never seen an episode of the show, but I'm invested. I want to know why does Boimler lose his absolute shit? They're like, who is this guy? He seems so calm and collected. And then he just goes into a rage, right? <laughs> like, yeah, man, like Quark seems like a, a squirrely guy. Of course he would steal some technology, like mm-hmm. bird robot sex. Like, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> like I get it. I totes get it. I totes get the point of the episode. It's just like, I was like, come on. Like, uh, that being said, it was really fun. I just, I guess, like I said, when I, when I said I didn't like it, I didn't necessarily like that it's a lower decks episode, if that makes any sense at all. So you agree with the uh, 6.9 rating? Nice. <laughs> I, I, it's a, it's a six and a half. It's a uh, six and a half. Is it 6.9? And I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, you know. I'm going to disagree with anyone. It is either 6.9 or it's a 10. That's your only two options, sure. Chris. Yeah. Um, you, I've decided. You, I'm the arbiter can, of truth. Fair enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing. Uh, there's no B story. There's no subplot. It's all just peanut hamper and bird people and her feeding them and getting their children to raise, uh, be raised properly or, or at least healthily. Healthily? Is that a word? Uh, like she's giving... and It's... I was almost disappointed at the end where she just gets locked up. Like she didn't actually learn her lesson by the end, uh, which was a little upsetting. I was hoping we would see more exocomps, but it's whatever. It works for the gag. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So we've seen now seven episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. Looking at all seven episodes, uh, which one do you think is uh, your favorite? What's the highlight thus far in the season? <sighs> I... I- it's either reflections or grounded for me. Like mm. the the space race was so much fun. Like I got there's a show that came out like I think in the early aughts, Cowboy Bebop. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. <laughs> Did, didn't it, we it, review it for the podcast? No, no I'm sorry, not <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Outlaw Star. Oh, there you go. And then in, in Stargate SG One, like any episode in which you're racing in space, like I'm down. I'm always down. And just the exploration of the psyche, I think, was like a really deep reflection on who we are as people. Like no pun intended. Nice. I I, I just think Reflections is a really good episode, but Grounded is so funny to me. Like how it executes the punchline. Like yeah. we we spend. 30 minutes with Mariner, like 
struggling, desperate to prove her mother's innocence. And everyone along the way is like, bro, man, it's going to work out. Just chill. It's obvious your mom didn't do this. And it's true. No, I think Reflections is probably my favorite episode so far. Okay. All joking aside, I'd probably agree. Um, somewhere between Reflections and uh, Here All Trust Nothing. Yeah. Grounded is good, but it, it did feel like Mariner regressed in that episode a bit, which I mean, I, on paper, sure, she probably should, given the circumstances. But it was also like, okay, we've made progress with this character. Please don't, please don't step backwards at the beginning of a new season, right? Which is a very yeah. typical weekly television. Like, just you, you end a season, and then somehow at the beginning of the next season, everything's like reset for some reason, and it started to feel that way. And I didn't like that. The punchline, fantastic, obviously. Yeah. But I think that's what edges it out for me. So I would agree with reflections. With here, I'll trust nothing being up there as well. Um, I was going to ask you who the idiot of these three episodes is, but it, I mean, it's Peanut Hamper, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there's not even, there's no point in having a bit when it's like the most obvious answer to this question I think we've yeah. ever had. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the only way it could have been better is if <laughs> Captain Batesman showed up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. It'd be cool if, to get Kelsey Graham to do some actual spoken lines, but I, I don't expect it. I don't expect it. I think we've gotten all the Captain Batesman we're going to get. Bates, I'll, yeah. I'm going to tweet him. Is he on Twitter? I Captain doubt it. Dude, he doesn't need to go he's into a sound studio. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got that Seven Guardians of the Tomb money, man. He doesn't he need He does Star have Trek. a Twitter. Uh-oh. And his last tweet, December 16th, 2021. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Wise Guys. If you have suggestions for other straight-to-stream science fiction or science fiction-adjacent media that we should uh, watch, let us know. You can DM us or just add us either way. If you prefer, you can also email us, sci-fiwiseguys at gmail.com. We always appreciate the suggestions. makes our jobs that much easier. If you liked what you heard, please share us with your friends. If you didn't like what you heard, share us with your enemies. Because everyone deserves to listen to this podcast. That's right. Stay healthy. Stay hydrated. And um, if you're a bird people on the planet of Arioli, don't trust the robots. If you're an organic person, don't trust the robots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, the, guys. Or where Starfleet keeps their crazy artificial intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, good on them Bye, for guys. not deleting all of them, but maybe they should. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The angle has landed. Ah, I see the problem. I see why my things keep changing. What things keep changing? My audio inputs. Oh. Because my focus right is the uh, USB cable stretched to the absolute limit. That would do it. And so every time I adjust my desk up or down, it's like softly unseating itself. Mm. I assume. I assume that's the problem. I, I, it could be that I'm a complete idiot. It's. It can be more than one thing. It's true.